Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. Today I'm chatting with Petey and Danny Devaney of Reggae Rock Band Higher Education. We nerd out about Fishbone, our mutual influences, and live music. Actually, I forgot I was interviewing them. We're just straight shooting the shit. Check it. So, how's it looking in Maryland? How's it looking in Maryland? Yep. College Park, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's looking... Uh... Looking like a ghost town, to be, yeah. honest. <laughs> to be honest. No, I don't know. We're just everybody's staying inside and yeah. uh, quarantining and all that. I was like, like, how's it looking, man? I was like, I'm looking at Danny's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not that good. Look at my brother's face. He's been he's been doing uh, you know uh, what is it, uh, Daddy? Daddy? Even even. I'm watching two little ones pretty much yeah. all day, right? Noticed. Daddy daycare. Mom, what's that movie with fucking Mr. Mom? Mr. Mom. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, things are things are things are looking. They're we're looking. Staying, okay. We're staying busy. We're staying busy. Yeah. There you go. All right. So, what was it like growing up? Growing up. Uh. Lots of fights with this guy right here. Yeah. We used to fight a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, our yeah. dad was uh, always super into music. And uh, he used to be in a band in the 80s, heavy metal band. And singing and just doing music was always a huge part of growing up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, beating the hell out of each other was the main thing. Yeah, two brothers. They're a couple years apart. But, um,. It was. I mean, yeah, we had a good, we had a good childhood. I mean, close, very close, you know, family. So you know, I, I guess you know, I don't know. Like we were, we were, we were definitely like blessed and stuff. And then also really, it was really awesome to have, uh, you know, a supportive, um, you know, mom and dad when it came to you know music when when we found music that is. So. Um, yeah, man, it was a good. We had a close knit family as well, like you know our second, you know our grandparents and aunts and uncles and stuff. So it was good. It wasn't. It was. It was a good. It was a, it was a good childhood. Cool. All right. So being brothers and everything, I, I remember. All right, because here's the deal. The reason why I asked that, because I remember I saw you guys back in 2014 on the same same bill of Bumpin' Uglies, Xavier James, but he was Mr. Mighty Eye back then, and another band who. I was going to check out, I forgot their names. They're from Frederick, though. I can't remember their names, though. Huh. Um, they were, like, on the same bill, though, a later on, though. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I remember, because I remember I saw you guys out, and you were playing guitar and bass, respectively, and then y'all said, switch, and you switched the shit up. I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. Uh, yeah, um, wow, 2014. Yeah, that's a that's I remember that show you were just talking about. I think Jesus. I remember that show, yeah. I remember y'all did this on Liquor Store. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's off our uh, second album, Would You Like Fries With That. Uh-huh. We, had, we wrote that song with our pops, actually. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we, yeah, that's weird, right? Liquor Store with that. Yeah. <laughs> that revealing of our of our childhood now? No, I'm... Um, hey, my dad okay. had a Blowfly album. He drug a longer dick on it for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Can't say shit or give Frank Zappa. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the switching started. I guess when the switching started, because, it started yeah. as like a necessity because we were. 
I was playing in a bunch of like you know garage bands with my friends and stuff, and then me and Petey wanted to get serious, and uh, we just kind of we were, we went from like having like six friends jamming in a band, and we were like, let's go down to a three piece. You play bass, and you know we'll switch it up when we when one of us wants to sing lead, and it just always happened to evolve from there, I guess. Yeah, definitely necessity. Necessity. It worked out well because I was like, oh shit, you know, because y'all fucking dope on them. So I'm like, come me impressed. <laughs> yeah, man. We, we figured we could pull Appreciate off the. It. We figured we, we could pull off the power trio thing. We said, like, watch, um, you know, trio bands like State Radio and um, other bands like pull it off really well. So we were like, yeah, we can rush. Yeah, rush. We just gotta, you know, that's, that was kind of like the idea behind it. You know, let's not. You know, we had a, we, the three of us were serious: Brad, Danny, and myself, and um, our sound engineer, uh, Luke. The four of us were serious, but um, so we just decided, like, yeah, let's just, you know, let's learn both instruments and, you know, focus on that. Smart move, you know, because I remember the song "Liquor Store." Yeah, people singing in the audience and shit. It was that. It was at the Fillmore Silver Spring. I remember that. Oh, oh wow. okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one I was like, oh shit, y'all got people like, you know, singing back and f- back to y'all too. I'm like, all right, this be a fucking hit right here. <laughs> you know? It's still definitely a crowd favorite. Yeah. Of, yes. You fans of higher ed. You know, the old friends and fans that always ask for liquor store. It's a good song, shit. You know? All right, so, all right, biggest influences on y'all? Biggest influences. I'd say the, probably like the Beatles. Yeah. My dad for vocals and songwriting and harmonies. Beatles. Yeah. I I love my dad. <clears throat> our dad. Our yeah, dad. definitely pops his music and he always just told us to be powerful and uh, make music from the heart. You know. Yeah. So he definitely influenced the music a lot. Huge influence. Another one I would say is uh, I'd say Jimi Hendrix, of course. Bob Marley. Yeah, all the big greats, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, we were raised on we were raised on good Bad Brains. Okay, you know? That's a good one. Super into Fishbone. That's the last time I saw you guys out in public. I saw you guys on a fishbone show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. So I didn't know how to go up to you guys, so I just did the creepy stare thing for like a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like I'll just say that I saw him or the fishbone show earlier, and I'll say, "Hey, I saw you guys earlier." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Happens on Facebook, man. It's like I think I see, I know that guy, but I don't want to. Was that at Howard? No, no, no. That... It wasn't at Howard. It was at the Hamilton. Hamilton, Hamilton yeah, man. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah. show yeah, that's when I finally met up with Jeremont, Flying J. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude's cool as shit. But yeah. yeah. How... Yeah, also like um, also got the dap of Dirty Wald as well. Nice guy. Yeah, I did the same thing you or uh, the same thing you mentioned to Angelo. Like, I got to meet him and I was all. He got fan struck. I got fan all fan struck and he was just like after he like you know signed my signed my shit. He was just kind of like, all right, well, gotta go now. Just <laughs> <laughs> people in line. Stop, <laughs> stop staring at me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds good. It, sounds it was. Right. Such a great band. That's so, how we came so up. Underrated. We were uh, huge fanboys going to shows and just like waiting to talk to the band members after the show, shouting uh, requests at the band members and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So that's that's how we started. Eight by ten, nine thirty club. 
Just yeah, going to see shows around here, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that was a bit, yeah. Being on us, like local and national touring acts. Taking mind-altering drugs while we go to see shows and having epiphanies, you know, <laughs> at 18. Epiphanies. Yeah, and being like, I know the meaning of life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from then it's just like, this is what I want to do, man. I want to create this atmosphere. Similar story, because actually that's what sparked to get my band up and running was actually with Genius Techno. I literally saw Fishbone in 2011. It was at a Lincoln Theater. Um, and it was that movie they did, Everyday Sunshine, right? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Yes. Wait, what did you think of the movie, by the way? I love it, man. It's definitely it's a little heartbreaking, for sure. To They could have been just like one of the biggest bands in the entire world, but just a lot of they've just been through so much stuff man exactly and the crazy part about it is i've literally seen that story with so many other groups too you know yeah like, like you know, to angelo and you know for keep doing it man keeping it going i commend them too like you know oh and norwood yeah exactly like angelo norwood they kept it going actually right because they're like the two soul survivors and whatnot right it's uh, actually funny thing is uh, one of our new songs we're working on right now. Petey's got a reference, a uh, fishbone reference to that that movie. It says "Everyday Sunshine." What's the lyric, Pete? Uh, I um, I've got that fishbone song stuck on my mind. Every day, every day, every day, sunshine. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're gonna be releasing that. It's a new. It'll be a new. It's not a release song, but it's not a new song. That shit was. It's so oh, it's a super old song, but it's so old. We're like clearing out. That's one thing about COVID. It's been cool. We're like clearing out the, clearing out the old, uh, what is it, vault of songs, that we got going on. We have so many songs that we've been. We're just trying to finish them and. Yeah. Finish them release the them consistently. We're in the studio right now talking to you. That's where we're in the studio right now. Nice. So you had the moments of like, I wrote this. Um. Yes. Yeah, sometimes, I, man. Sometimes I guess when back, you listen, when you listen, I, listen back to certain songs, and you know, you get that feeling in your stomach, like that roller coaster feeling. I know all musicians have felt that when they finish a song. And listen back, you get the butterflies. Yeah. You know, you feel it. That's what you got to do. You got to. If your songs don't make you feel some sort of emotion, then you got to. That's what. That's what it's all about, man. Just raw, real emotion in your music. Yeah, I think audiences connect with that and listeners connect with that more. The more, however your approach is, whatever style or genre, it's just got to be real in some way. And I think that's good, too, just to be able to look back on it, too, as, like, art or, you know what I mean, not forced or fabricated. But um, I think it's, like, kind of like, I'm, like, I used to play sports when I was a kid, so, like, you know, you, 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 you feel, you, yeah, you definitely feel, like, excited or like fuck yeah like when you prideful you know, yeah, yeah prideful when you hit like when you get like a when you write a good song or just you know something click like the song clicks like with you know with the rest of the instruments and the rest of the guys and you you lay it down and it sounds and you're proud of it and you play it live and you're proud of it um you know it's kind of like you know like draining a three-pointer or learning how to like you know when you first learned how to skateboard or ride that wave or you know like it was just it's yeah, it's just a good feeling. You know, something you work you work hard at, and it happens. Like it's definitely worked. They, Danny and I have definitely done. We we just work constantly, like just trying to get better and better. And I think that this is kind of just like a forever passion kind of thing. It just you know, it's like a constant work of art or a constant you know, you know, like you're 
what was it? Your life's work is always a work in progress, kind of a thing, I guess. Yours, you know, so it does feel really good when people like it, or it sounds good, and you're like, yes, fuck yeah, you know, or it just comes together. So yeah. I would say. <laughs> what was the question? No. That was a great fucking answer, actually. I was wondering, like, did you ever come across stuff and realize, yo, I wrote this? So that's actually a great answer, tribute. So, so I'm kind of curious, though. All right, I've been trying to figure the name of, trying to figure the name. So, since y'all from College Park and everything, you know, was there University of Maryland? So, I think higher education. So I'm like, is that a coincidence, or you know, what's the story behind the band's name? Is that like a nod to being for College Park, or just? I think it was. I think it was a coinc. It was a coincidence. It is funny because like I went to UMD. I graduated from UMD, and the fact that we grew up. Danny and I grew up like, you know, to, uh, five minutes down, ten minutes down the road from, from a, you know, from from the university, from a university, um, you know, so I think it is kind of like it is more of a coincidence. But how it actually happened, it, how it actually happened was just, you know, um, we were trying to figure out a new name. When Danny kind of touched on it earlier, he was talking about how. You know, we were playing in bands with, like, a bunch of friends and stuff like that. And Danny and I were like, hey, we really like this. We should get serious and, you know, yada, yada. Um, you know, we, let's think of a new name. Like, before we had a different name, I think it was, uh, yeah, no, I know what it was. The Probable Cause. That was the name of the band, our first band, Probable Cause. So when we decided, like, hey, yo, let's make our own band, we were just like, honestly, like, full disclosure, bro. Full disclosure. We were just getting high in Danny's room. We were just, like, smoking weed in Danny's room. We were like, we got to think of a name. And we were just, like, coming up with stuff. Like, what about, like, what about, like, this? Or what about, like, what about that? You know, we were just, like, veto, veto. And then Danny had, like, this cool little, like, poster on his wall. It was titled Higher Education. And it was kind of like a joint rolling, like, Reefer Madness type poster. Oh, okay. It was. We were just, like, it was just kind of like, what? What about higher yeah, it was on a higher education. You, you two were, words. Yeah, you were in college. I think I just. Time, yeah, so I think so I just. It was like it was my freshman very year. serendipitous. Yeah, I think it's taken on a name of its own. In my way, I mean, people can take it out of the way. We definitely hear that. You know, oh, it's about weed, or is it about, you know, college, or it's about this, about that. Like, I don't know. It's definitely like about. Yeah, I think it's just about just like I don't know. I think it's taken on its own things like higher higher education is being being open minded, being you know, understanding. Yeah, like an open minded person, a constant learner. I mean, the more you, I mean, education is 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 the best thing for everyone, right? Like we we see that it seems to be the answer of all of, all of our problems. So it's kind of cool that we have this, you know, in our, you know, we believe that's like in our roots of how we are as people and, and that's also in our band and you know it's not necessarily we, we're not we're not necessarily like activists or advocates in in that regard but it's kind of cool that that aligns with our kind of moral compass if you will yeah. you know what i mean there you go ask yeah. questions yeah open mind ask yeah. questions learn you know, more lifelong learner kind of a thing like so for us it's yeah it's just it is cool it's a coincidence it's serendipitous but the story is just Danny and I getting high in this room yeah. and <laughs> noticing some some on the wall, a couple of words on the wall that, that spoke to us at that time, I guess. I might actually have a picture of, of me us, yeah, when, I, when we picked the name. Yeah. Me and my old uh, work uniform standing in front of it. No, we, do you really? I think so, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god, you gotta find that, dude. 
Yeah, that's, actually, that's pretty cool. That reminds me how the name Gnarls Barkley came about. Like, literally, you'll see Lo and Danger Mouse. They're in a Baltimore, the hotel in Baltimore. They're just trolling about goofy-ass names, right? And just, they started named Gnarls Barkley, right? They totally forgot about the basketball player. That's just thought it was a funny-ass name. Yeah. <laughs> like, awesome. You know, it's like, oh, shit, we forgot all about that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Charles Barkley. So they yeah. push it out to you, you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> exactly. That's, kind of, that's awesome, yeah. So that's something you reminded me since you're recording, like, you know, since we're recording this right now, where you guys cut your albums and everything, right? I noticed a lot of stuff is very self-contained, you know? So to say to everyone in the studio there, right? So what's your setup like? Um, I mean, it's modest. Um, We got Pro Tools. We've um, got a... Running through. I mean, we're in the basement. Yeah, yeah, we're in the basement of. It's a basement studio out of um, what we call the <laughs> what we call the band house. Um, it's where um, our drummer, where Bradley and and I live currently. And it's funny because like Ganey used to live here. His his now wife used to live here. Like a lot of people, like our old manager used to live here. Merch guys have lived here. Like it's just kind of always been the band house. Yeah, this is been. And, yeah, it was it was designed that way too because we used to um, we used to practice in our uh, Danny and I we used to practice in our parents' house and it just you know it was just it was a little bit more constricted and so we had this opportunity to you know kind of get this this you know this band house or whatever going and we did and we decided to make a rehearsal space and a you know like make it a tracking and a mixing space so we have you know we got like a little. Like a track, we got like you know, nice little tracking room where we also rehearse, but you know, we track drums and track, you know, guitars track our guitars that. and bass and rhythm, all that good stuff. And we also, um, we have a control room, and yeah, we have Pro Tools running through, you know, um, you know, through a snake that goes through that room, and it's 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 nice, it's modest, it's cool. I mean, we've we put uh, a lot of work into yeah, it. Sure, I mean, yeah, we dab we dabbled in recording local bands. We've recorded like a few albums, which has been fun. It was a great experience. We've um, you know recorded a lot of our stuff here, um, whether it was tracking and mixing. And um, we're lucky enough, like you know, an unsung hero. But people got to know that you know a lot of people do. But like you know, our Luke, sound guy Luke Luke Diorio, he's our like he's always been like the fourth member of the band even without our guitar player. So he's always been a member of the band, so, you know, he's always been our, you know, engineer and tracking. He's been involved in everything as far as our recording and live shows. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. He did He did, a, he did most of the work. Yeah, he did. He did a lot of the work of helping. But it was all unfinished And Dwayne, and Dwayne, Dwayne Hayes. Dwayne Hayes, he helped, like, so much, like, um, yeah, it was an unfinished basement, Bradley's house. We built all the walls, yeah, finished it. Yeah, made it into a, yeah, it's, you and know, here it's, we are, still tracking. Tracking, it works perfectly for what we, for what we do, you know what I mean? And we, 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 we usually track it, track our stuff, get our ideas out, rehearse here, mix a lot, mix stuff here, but then we usually, um, send our, send our stuff to, um, Drew. Drew Lamont at Rightway, Rightway Studios in Baltimore. He's like for mastering, for mastering, or sometimes mixing. He's touched every one of our songs in some way. Yeah. What he producing, tracking, mixing, whatever. But mastering. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, is anything recorded at Rightway, or that is for mixing and mastering? Um, we actually we tracked and recorded our first two albums. 
uh, and part of our third album at Right Way Studios. So, and then kind of with the third album, we recorded our uh, acoustics and main vocals, and then everything else you heard on the Ballad of Alexander Henry, which is our third album, <clears throat> we tracked here ourselves, put all the bells and whistles on it, and then from then on, we've been doing it, all the tracking ourselves here, and sending it to Drew for further mixing or mastering. Speaking of Alexander Hendry, there's a story behind that album, right? Yeah, yes. there is. Yeah, feel for sharing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, um, the Ballad of Alexander Henry was actually it's probably my favorite, um, my my favorite album that we've done. I mean, I don't know. I I really enjoy every single album and every song. I think we're always developing, but like the story behind it is pretty cool because it was um, it was like our great great grandfather. And he was a Scottish immigrant, and he came over. Um, um, and there was, uh, you know, during the time, you know, during the time of slavery, as when he came over from Scotland, he was kind of like, "What the hell is this stuff?" And he became like, you know, like an abolitionist. He was like speaking out against against it. And um, there's this crazy story where, you know, it was kind of passed down in our family. It was like um, he um, he woke up one day, like he he was living in the South uh, currently, and um, and he was like I said advocating against slavery, and then he. Um, he woke up. He woke up one day and he was like, you know, having his morning coffee. And he read in the newspaper that um, that Alexander Henry, he himself, had been hung in the village square. And he was like, you know, for being a slave. You know, yeah, for being a slave sympathizer. He was like, holy shit! And obviously, they got the wrong guy. So he ended up moving to Seattle, um, Seattle, Washington, and um, starting starting a, uh, starting our family. You know, this half of our family there. And um, they eventually, that our grandfather, who eventually ended up uh, becoming a reporter, or great grandfather, not the great great, the great, he ended up becoming a um, reporter for um, World War Two, uh, in World War Two, and um, like you know, they moved our family back to Maryland. But it was just, it was just such a cool story, and it always resonated, I think. And um, we had these really cool pictures, like the picture, you know, the album art is an actual picture of. Alexander Henry if it was taken in like 18, you know, 60, I think, 62 or something crazy like that. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was just a really cool story. And um, it was also an awesome, um, it was an awesome album to make. It was, that was kind of the inspiration for the song Gasoline. Yeah. On the album. That's where it started to. The story yeah. about him waking up to hear that he had be hung, you know, they hung the wrong person thinking it was him and he like got the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. yeah. <laughs> and then started our family, I guess, in shorter version. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause I'll, all right. Roll just a quick rolling back on rolling back a few albums. Um, who did, who, who did leave vocals on neurotic notions? Uh, that was me. That's my, uh, PD. PD. All right. I was thinking that, but shout out to Dark. Do you, did y'all grow up any kind of dance hall back in the day, or just more of a Scott Reggae kind of dudes? Oh, I love dance dance hall. Yeah, yeah dance hall. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, I can kind of hear it on Neurotic Notions. I'm like, okay, one of them basically, like one of them listen to dance hall back in the day. They have a dance hall explosion compilation somewhere. Yeah, I love. I mean, that's kind of like the inspiration for the bass on the chorus, like. 
the runaway part. Yeah. Doom, 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 That's doom. the one. That old school reggae bass, but we we you know he of course mixed it over the yeah like a little a, bit of the progressive rock I guess and yeah. the Bradley's drumming you know yeah drumming is what I said. <laughs> Cause I used to be hardcore in the dance hall. Like I remember when guys like Wayne Wonder broke over in the U.S. I was like, holy shit. My favorite dude actually years ago was guys like Red Rat for a second. And just and like even Sean Paul was. We had a pretty cool run, you know. So I was like really into dance hall. So I was like, this is a nice twist of you know, kind of like a nice change of pace. But all right, one thing I've been trying to figure out for years. Ever since I started kind of playing the scene, what the fuck is all these reggae rock bands in the area? <laughs> In the area, in in our area, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Yes, like I'm thinking about guys like okay, you guys, not comparing anybody, just think I'm just rattling stuff off. Like for example, you guys, Pasadena, um, which I think is split now is just Joey Harkham, um, well, bumping uglies of course, um, Dylan the Z Dubs, whatever. What the fuck is up with that? It's almost like, is it like a coincidence or? I'm trying to figure out know. how did this happen. I don't know why, I don't know why Maryland and in um and like you know like kind of like rock reggae or reggae rock or those mat those that that kind of i don't know why those genres in maryland seem to be very popular yeah. um but I you remember. also missed uh pacifier oh that pacifier was, okay good that's yeah. another great one too technically they're out of they were formed in georgia but the lead singer uh ted uh ted bone uh he's uh he's from um maryland uh and uh and then ballyhoo oh yeah ballyhoo maryland too. but yeah thought about that before. I'll tell you why we got into it. I mean, right, film me we, in. this might be I, a good clue. What's that? No, no, no. no. This, you know, literally might oh. clue me in. Honestly, it was random for because like we were doing more just straight up rock and uh, you know progressive stuff. And then back in two thousand eight, I went and saw uh, State Radio play at nine thirty club, and I had taken some mushrooms. And uh, and they were playing like real heavy like reggae rock you know they're su- they're super political he was getting he's very passionate and and I just remember like holy shit you can do that and I just had no idea like you know what I mean I heard Sublime and all that stuff but State Radio is it was different it was definitely like it was different and and after we started doing getting into the reggae adding that it's just like you you. Uh, you realized, yeah, there was all these other bands that were doing reggae rock. Yeah, I think the people just like the. It's like kind of. Like, I don't know. I think they're just they go really well together, and if, if you if you do it right, and and like uh, maybe like around here because I don't know, we're kind of people can still go to the beach, but still be in the city life, like kind of a thing. And kind of, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. I have, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe DC. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, reggae is always yeah. It's a it's a good influence, and rock rock is a great influence, and yeah, like it's. So this is one of those things I think that that, like I said, it's cool to go from rocking out to grooving and everything. But you know, we also love to kind of mix as much as much as we can in a song. At this point, you know, what I mean, it's just fun. I feel like it's just really cool to do that. Totally, because I mean, shit, that's basically see, seeking green or British punk actually was because all those guys, because you know, before it actually recorded punk albums, they didn't really have anything like that. So what was the heaviest thing there? Reggae bass. So they play that and everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like the secret green, like post punk was pretty much early goth rock. The first time I heard Bella Goes He's Dead by Bauhaus, I was like, okay, this sounds like dub. I'm like, yeah. this isn't goth, it's fucking dub. But also, like, about? 
I think maybe Bad Brains has more of an influence on that than oh, we realize huge. with oh. Huge oh, yeah, totally. Punk and reggae. And easy, and absolutely. Just that was a huge influence, too. And that's why I said DC, because maybe that has a lot to do with why it bleeds into Maryland and oh, yeah. the Baltimore yeah. scene, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. yeah, Baltimore scene is pretty heavy, too. Yeah. It's a heavy, heavy. You know, there always seems to be a rock metal, edge to a rock edge to the DMV style. Totally, you know, I mean, especially yeah. when we travel and tour the country. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean shoot, I mean, think about it. It's like a lot of those, like technically, we created emo actually. I mean, it came out of DC. Um, <laughs> shit, yeah. you know, think about Pentagram, right? That is like our Black Sabbath. Okay. You know? But the thing about it is, like, okay, maybe those are all good reasons why for the reggae thing. But, um, because I was thinking, I would always assume or think Gogo would have more of an influence, though. You know? Like, for. Yeah, I love Gogo. I love me some. I know Fugazi tried on Waiting Room. You know, that was the idea to try to, like, Iggy the Studios. Yeah. Kind of okay. a Gogo beat. You know? So, those. Actually, it's a good song, actually. But, yeah. um, the thing is, what I remember, too, was, like, um,. Shoot, there's one band called Geppetto out of Annapolis, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it does sound. They were like, they were this band that mixed. They were trying to mix go-go and rock, and they were like around 2000. And next thing you know, they like disappeared, you know. And I kind of found what happened, but it was like not enough information. I noticed that. It's almost like, what's going on over here, you know? They're a good band, actually, you know? So, I was just trying to figure out the lineage. So, you're saying all these reggae guys, it's just like a sheer coincidence. Like, there was no, like, hey, you like this stuff? Do you like this, too? Like, okay, put, I'll put it this way. Coincidentally, those, when I first saw Fishbone in 2011, right? Like, three or four bands got started that night. You know? Same thing with, like, Hank three week later. I saw him at, um, damn. Like they saw the show and then that's exactly. what created. That's kind of what happened with us. Yeah. Like he yeah. saw, it was a uh, Lion Eyes opening for State Radio, and yeah. I was tripping my balls off. I was, and I was just blown away. And it was so psychedelic, and I was like, "This is what I want to do." Good feelings, man. And I'm sure there was like four other people there that night. They're like, "I'm starting a band tonight." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely with me too. When we were playing, I, I do remember just being. When you, Fishbone, like when we saw Fishbone at 9:30, they opened up for Slightly Stupid. They stole the show. I didn't know anything. I never heard. I was I was like ignorant to Fishbone at that time, and I found out about them. And then I went down the whole rabbit hole, like like said, Everyday Sunshine, everything. And like, I, I remember that t- that time. I was just like, yeah, yes, that is a show. This is it. And also, even seeing their show, like too, I was always just like, man, this is just what I want to do. I don't care like what side of the spectrum I like land on. I guess. How they're fearless, you know, like just mixing because they, you know, they they obviously huge and just mixing every, oh, you know, yeah. all the different genres together. To and, you know, what year was that show? What was that? What year was? Shit, Fishbone, slightly stupid. It might be 2011. Yeah, I think it was 2011. It might. Have no, that sounds right. Up. Wait, that's because the state radio show was 2008. It might be 2011. It was... Let me look it up right now. Yeah, okay. It's really stupid. 930 Club. The magic of technology. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, it was 2011. Now I see a lot of bands, you know, recording stuff out of a practice space, sometimes a basement, whatever, right? You know, in regards to live performance, but I know you guys as a band, I was like really out there grinding, you know, really grinding the area and everything, right? And growing cross country too. So I was wondering, um, how does it feel playing, you know, like virtual shows or live stream shows in comparison to, you know, the live shows that people like us might be used to? You know, was it adjustment or what? Yes. It's a totally different experience. Definitely adjustment. I think the energy is different. I feel like with the live streams, you know, it's it's more of like uh, like a studio vibe, you know. It's it's more, you know, you're with your bandmates and yeah, just trying to, you know, it gets fun though. You jam out, you know, there's no real, you get real loose with it because there's no real pressure and, you know, you got the headphones and all that. But like with with the live show and the people there and the energy. Yeah, there's nothing like it. There's, there's, a, yeah, there's a give and take. Totally. You know, because. The crowd. I miss it, man. I miss it so much. Same here. Like, uh, some of that fucking pop when you do it. Like, calling back to early interview, right? It's something when you debut a new song or when you feel like you fucked up. During a, during a song, right? And that fucking audience pops and everything. It's nothing like it. Especially also, you've got like the fucking big eyes too. The, the, what was that? Okay, you never like, okay, you ever like, you ever like finish a song, right? And yeah. the reaction's like, oh shit, they really fuck with that. Yeah. So your, your eyes kind of get big like that. Oh, yeah, 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 uh-huh. You know, kind of like, um, like the big, well, like the startle shock look actually, you know? A couple of videos yeah. of me were online where I kind of look like a um, glass Joe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I had to throw that reference in there. So yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, man, it's definitely been an, an adjustment. Um, uh, we were touring, touring real heavy right before. It's I uh, remember. And like we were, we were hitting all these markets uh, like very regularly. We had a lot of big festivals, good shows coming up, and then you know, COVID hit, and yeah. Just, you know, we had to we had to hunker down and change up the game plan, as did everybody else. Yeah. You know, it was it was, it was a hard time and adjustment, but uh, you know, it was a silver lining. I got to spend a lot of time with my uh, with my kids and my wife, and got to spend uh, you know pretty much the entire first year of my daughter's life with you know all four of us, my wife and my son, and we wouldn't have gotten that. Otherwise, because yeah. my wife, you know, would have to go back to work after three months, and it, you know, it's just there's there's a silver lining in everything, but it... exactly. So I'm wondering, what do you think like the future of live performances? You think it'll be like a mix of live streams and live streams and live performers, or do you think, well, we're all vaccinated, and you know, apparently herd herd um, immunity, almost a herd mentality. Herd, herd immunity's kicked in, so COVID's no worse than any cold, actually. So, do you think people just say, "Hey, fuck the live stream stuff, let's go back to doing shows," or do you think it'll be a combination of both? Uh it's. I don't think live streams are going to go anywhere. I think that's definitely integrated. Uh, the way music is going to, you know be uh, received by fans. I just think that that's a new thing that's 
uh, yeah, it's just good. that's a part of it now. I feel like, and uh, the show's coming back. I think once it's safe to do that, you know, it'll it'll happen, and we'll be ready for it. But um, the live streams, I feel like that's just gonna be. Yeah, I think it's kind of part of it. It's like, a tool that works, so. Yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke. Yeah, I think I think it'll be weird like coming back. I don't. I don't see like the live music, even if you know we were allowed the if everything was good like in two months, which it's not going to be like. I I don't see people being quite as like. I think people are always going to be kind of cautious, and it will like slowly, like come back, even when it's quote unquote safe. But I think it's going to come back like hard. Like the people who really want to see live music, they're going to be like chomping at the bit. I think. Oh, totally. Like I can imagine us all becoming like punks of Tony Phil for a second. Like is it come out yet? Shit, there's a bunch of goddamn people out here. Let me go back in my spot right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See yeah. that happening. It'll be interesting. I mean, it's definitely unprecedented, though. You know, who knows what's going to happen, you know? I know, right? Shoot. I got plans, too, and have some ideas, actually. Because, you know, with everything, you have to adapt and evolve, actually, you know? All right, guys. Great chatting with you. It's like, um. so I was wondering, is there anything else out that you want anybody to check out? Are you working anything new? So what's going on? Yeah, I mean, we just released our, um, we released uh, our NEP, like a, you know, um, conversation with the moon, and you know, in June, um, and then now we're working on like literally Danny and I. As soon as we get done, we're like, right now we're we're listening, we're working on a whole batch a of new whole songs, bunch of, a whole bunch of songs. We're trying to release them as singles with some music videos and yeah, <laughs> uh, consistent content for your, for uh, you know, the fans and. We got a lot of songs. A lot of songs. I'd say right now we have like 30. There's 30, there's 30 right now we're looking at files, like 30 of new songs. That we've so. laid down in the studio. We're just chipping away. It seems like that's like the thing to do now, you know what I mean, John? Like just in, people, aren't, people aren't digesting. I love albums. I'm the old school, like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like I love digesting albums, but it seems like the next thing you do with people is just, you know, you just release constant material i guess you know singles and i mean it's cool for us because we like every song so it gives them its gives us its day let's do it should be told is though here's what i feel like they did right back in the 70s you know amongst many things actually um one of the best things that the album was back in the 70s notice all those albums were either seven eight maybe nine tracks the reason why yeah. because the more albums more songs had an album the lower fidelity would get and everything yeah that's true but yeah, you're true you know, when you had basically albums that were like six, seven, or eight, those were the strongest fucking songs. Yeah, so. it's true. Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, shit, man. Well, thanks again for having us, man. And, uh, you know, do it again sometime. No problem. Great chat with you guys. Peace. Hey, that was Danny and Petey Devaney. Check out their album, Conversation with the Moon. Until next time, take it easy.